everybody. Take your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 8. How many of you, when you were like me, I was a little rich, and you went to school and you had show and tell? Anybody ever do that? I don't know if they do that anymore today, but when I was a kid, they did that. And I think that as we're doing this Jesus Meets series, really I believe that the church is at a place where the world needs the church to live a bit of show and tell. And so it starts with you believing that Jesus is going to make himself known through you, that when somebody meets you, they're actually meeting a dynamic and a reality of Jesus. And if we don't believe that, of course, we're going to just assume that, that people are going to have to have some random encounter with Jesus. But when we understand how Jesus ministered and that Jesus ministered at the speed of life, what you find is that Jesus will minister through the speed of your life. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're uh, active in, Jesus will make himself known through there. And so we're, we're going to come to a very interesting portion of Scripture. And, and before I even get to the Scripture, let me just tell you that, have you ever just argued with Jesus? Yeah, I argued with Jesus this week. Uh, and I, to the place where I, I knew what the Lord wanted, here's what I want you to preach on. And, and, I, and, and I went to work one day, and when I got to work, a skunk had sprayed the outside of the building, so it made the inside of the building smell, so I said, I'm going to work at home. So I'm working at home, and I'm sitting on the back porch, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, okay, Lord, and I'm going, ah, this just isn't working for me, Jesus, I'm going to a different sermon. Because I got like this whole list. I mean, there are a lot of people that Jesus met. Doesn't have to be this guy here in Matthew chapter 8, and the story is also told in Luke chapter 7, but I'm like, we can go somewhere else, and Jesus, he says to me, you can go there. I ain't going with you. And so then, you know, in, in the sermon prep, I'm just, you know, this may surprise some of you. I actually just don't go online and find a sermon and repreach it, so I'm like, Jesus, you got to speak to me through this, and I'm struggling with it, and, uh, and, and a couple days later, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this sermon. Jesus said, that's fine. I'm not doing it with you. So I'm not happy to have to preach this this morning. It's not even mean. I'm okay with mean. Because some of you go, yeah, you look mean all the time anyway. That's just the Dutch part of me. I don't know. So will you give me grace this morning? Because I, I really feel like that this really is, there's a level of, level of maturity that is required in discerning what the Lord really wants to reveal to you. So if we're talking about our igniting change in hundreds, who will ignite change in thousands? This sermon really, really kind of focuses on, on the who will. If you're igniting change, then you ignite change in a way so others will ignite change. So they're, they're, you have to see yourself a little bit differently. So if you go into this sermon that it's all about you, you're going to really miss what the Lord's really trying to say. Because we don't live a life unto ourselves. We live a life where we are interacting with people, where we are connecting with people, whether it's a quick connection or a lifelong connection, where Jesus is wanting to make himself known so that ultimately they, the change might be ignited in them so they can ignite change in other people. The easiest way to preach this portion of the scripture as we're going to look at the centurion is just to say, be like the centurion. But what I really believe is that the Lord has placed centurions around us and we don't even realize it. So let's look at the scripture. It picks up starting in verse 5. 
It says, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. He said to him, I will come and heal him. I want to stop right here. Jesus did not, he, he, didn't, he, did, he didn't hesitate once, one little bit. And it says a lot about the character of God. Yes, I'll go heal him. The request came. It was, it's in Jesus' nature. Jesus' nature is to, to heal. But the story doesn't stop there. But what I want you to see is, is that, that there's this gap. And we're going to talk about this gap. From the moment that Jesus says, I'm willing, to this immediacy that happens. And so the centurion, he responds here. And he says, Lord, I'm not willing to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and west, reclining at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness, into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The centurion, he, to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And so it's, under, it's important to understand that really the sermon is not about the centurion. It's about Jesus using you and I to release the faith of the centurion. I find it very interesting that that the story of the centurion, you really have to look at Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 7 for us to get a profile of who this guy was. This guy doesn't have a name, he's just called the centurion. But he's identifiable because he's a man of means. He's a guy that, he lives in the gated community. He's the guy that drives the car that everybody wants. He's the guy that has uh, is, is got his own podcast because he knows how to lead his, his crew because he was over 100 people. He was liked by the people who were uh, really under his, his political thumb because he was, an arm, he was an arm and he was an extension of the, the Roman government who, who had authority over the Jewish people. And yet he was a guy that seems to be a likable guy because you find in Luke chapter 8 that, that the, it was the, the religious people who came to Jesus originally saying, hey, you got to go do something for this guy. They liked him. They said these things about him. They said, he's a guy who likes our nation. He's a guy who built us a synagogue. And in some respects, when I think about the centurion, he is a guy who is, is very much around us, who is doing things to make life better for others. Do you know people in your life, in your circle of influence, who actually make life better for others? I think we do. But there's... but but. Oftentimes what we do is we hold them back because we don't identify something in them. 
We don't, under, uh, we don't identify a faith that can release not the natural, but the supernatural. Jesus marveled. Jesus was willing to go, go heal. But the centurion didn't drag his sick, his sick servant to Jesus in this case. He didn't say, boy, you got to get to church on Sunday. We've got a faith healer that's going to be there. But what we witness, and this is the show and tell in the, in the American church that's missing, is that they're here. There was an authentic a marketplace miracle that didn't happen in the confinements of, of, the, of the synagogue, in, in, in confinements of a church, but it was where everyday faith, where everyday life was happening. What I find also interesting about this portion of Scripture is Jesus talks about hell in this Scripture. I don't know about you, I read this and I step back, which I've done a couple of times going, that's quite a contrast, Lord. Faith that marvels you, that cause you to turn and say there are people that have an expectation of their religion that's going to land them in hell. And I've got to think there's a certain dynamic of our, of our spirituality that is lived out that is really ho-hum to Jesus, that doesn't marvel Jesus. In fact, that, that, that we kind of just keep to this idea of igniting change in the natural. We can, we can build things. Uh, we can take and, and be nice to people. Even in a world where people are not nice, we can be nice. But you know what I found out moving to Texas? The first time I went to a Cowboys game, Jerry's employees are really stinking nice. They were nice when they took my ticket. They were nice when we interact with them, going up to where they had a, a seated, all that. They were incredibly nice. And it dawned on me, you don't need Jesus to be nice. You just need Jerry. Right? And so that we, can, we can live in this dynamic of the natural because the church has never had people who release them into the supernatural. And so this is about, now you're, you might be going, well, I've never seen anybody healed at church, let alone in the marketplace. Well, that's because it's such a low bar that's been set, which is why I struggle with it. I'm like, Jesus has a pretty high bar, but for Jesus, high bar, Hell. I, do you struggle with that? I struggle with that. Because no one came along and, and really walked with me in this releasing, in this dynamic of igniting change that goes from the natural to the supernatural. And so Jesus, he does an incredible behind-the-scenes lesson here for us. Because here's what I've discovered about the Bible Belt and and Texas in general. And you, here's, here's people you absolutely know. Uh, people who just live in easy believism. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. But that of easy believism, and if you live in easy believism, here's what you find. It never gets you anywhere. This is why the church is emptied and didn't fill back up after COVID. Because it was an easy believism. Because there was really never a release of faith in the supernatural in the lives of believers. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to, we're going to kind of look at how do I help release faith in someone else? How do I do that? Well, 
the connect here is pretty straightforward. Is that Jesus ministers to people who know their limitations. So again, let's come back to the centurion in a moment. The centurion already believed in Jesus before he ever approached him. You know what that was? Is because he, he lived in Capernaum. That's where, his, that's where he lived life. And, and so you could say that in Jesus' day, the centurion lived right in the middle of the Bible Belt because 70% of Jesus' ministry was done in and around Capernaum. And while there's no, there's no biblical recording of the centurion meeting Jesus before this moment, he certainly met other people who had experienced the miraculous power and transformation of Jesus. So, so he knew him before. We also know about the centurion is that there really was a, a motive that wasn't about him. He didn't believe in the name and claim it, blab it, grab it, theology. Now, we're surrounded with people who believe that. If you just say it enough, you just blab it enough, you'll be able to grab it and it'll be yours. His motive was not for himself. His motive was for someone else, which is, is it's just in the character that the scriptures really bring out about him already. And so, so now he's come to Jesus and says, I want to move on the behalf of someone else. All right, now watch this. How many of you over the last couple of weeks have had someone come to you and say, I want you to pray for so-and-so. Here's where you start to see yourself in Jesus' shoes with, with people. Because now you know people who, who care about others. They're, they're, they have a sickness, they're in financial trouble, whatever it is. And so you come to another believer and you say, I want you to join with me in prayer for this person. The person that's come to you, do you realize that they are already recognizing their own limitations? Now, those limitations might be something as simple as, hey, things are a lot better when a whole lot of other people are praying. I think the Bible bears that out. So, so being able to share with one another our prayer requests, that's a, that's a, that is a sign of faith. They're, they're, they know where their limitations are. It could be that the person comes to you for prayer because they don't think they have enough faith on their own. Could be. It could be that, that, that ultimately they're just, they're just going, I, 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 I want to pass this off and get it off my plate. It could be a lot of motives. But as a, as a believer, as someone who regularly comes to Jesus, we don't come to Jesus until we've already discovered our own limitations. You cannot be a follower of Christ without first recognizing your own limitations. That's what salvation is. Salvation says, I'm a sinner and I can do nothing about it. But Jesus already did. So we come to him. So, so as believers, we already come with a predisposition to come to Jesus at our times of limitations, recognizing that we are not good enough. But here's where we start to get the disconnect. Jesus steps into Capernaum. And you have the centurion come to him and pleads with Jesus for a miracle. And Jesus says, I'll do it. And I would submit to you that for the, the, the majority of Christians who are really, they're saying, Jesus, I want to live your life. 
I want, to, I want to represent you and see you move through me more than just on Sunday morning. I want that in all areas of my life. If, that, if that's you, then, then here's the thing. You've, you've come and you've had people and, and you've said, yep, I'm going to pray. And why can I say that about you? Because I know this about me. I know that Jesus will eventually get to the house. That means when you're praying for somebody that's sick, you eventually believe they're going to be healed healed by a doctor, healed by some miraculous moment later, or even when they die and get their resurrected body. How many of you follow with this theology? There's nothing wrong with Jesus eventually getting there. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are moments, there are moments that when you, want, when you begin to identify a dynamic of faith, that Jesus will say, go and let it be done unto you as you desire. That releases the faith. And so really what, when you start looking at limitations, you have to understand there are moments that it's going to be later. But don't live there. Because Jesus didn't just go, I'll get there. He said, no, now's the moment. And there are moments that people need to recognize that Jesus is going to release something in the moment. And you got to help them with that. Oh, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's why we always do the grow piece. How do we grow into this? Because where there are some of you, you can, if you're, if you're a sports guy like me, man, I can identify what a good quarterback is. Or you might say, I, I might be able to identify what, you know, what a good horse is. Or you might be able to identify what a good teacher is. Or you might be able to identify what a good father is. Or what a good kid is. But can you identify the faith in another person? we got to grow into that. That doesn't come naturally. It's not something that, that we teach. It's really what Jesus did with his disciples on a pretty regular basis. And so we have to learn. That's the very first thing we got to do. We, gotta, we have to make the decision to learn to identify faith. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Get this. I mean, get this. Jesus is fully committed to teaching you and I to identify faith. Completely committed to it. Nothing will bring more glory and happiness to, to our Father in heaven than a people who can identify faith. I mean, some, you know, the church is better at identifying a good and bad politician than faith that is right in front of them. That ought not be. Jesus says, this is way more important. I liked what, uh, it's interesting, Bill and I had a, had a conversation before. He says, I don't know if I should share this on Sunday morning or Sunday night. And he goes, here's the scripture, it's Jeremiah 29. And I said, oh, I was in that scripture this morning. Oh, I had faith. He had faith to recognize that God was actually up to something. He was doing something. So we just have to come. We say, Lord, I'm committed there. Well, you can't be committed in this area without regularly, daily being in the word. Because you see how the Lord works. So again, uh, the, the whole dynamic of, of history is how, how the faith of people showed up in the miraculous all the way through Scripture. And so I'm constantly coming back to that, constantly coming back to that. So it's going to be a regular thing. But here's where we start to get a little bit disconnected. Would you be able to, over lunch today, articulate 
the moments that miracles happen in your own life. We oftentimes don't stop to think, here's what Christ did in my life. Because the beautiful thing about what God does in your life, what you experience personally, you can now share relationally. So your personal experiences of the miracles, the personal experiences where immediately God did something, God showed up. He says, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it now. Those moments. If you haven't had any of those moments, Lord, I need one of those moments. Those that you think it's tough to pray for patience. Try praying for something like that. Right? Because you find yourself at the, the edge of a cliff going, oh, I don't really know. But here's, here's the beauty of it. What God does in this is God begins to show you how this really works. So every Monday morning in our staff meeting, we take about an hour to talk about nothing about except what the Jesus is doing, what we're seeing. And mixed into that is we're identifying, even if the people even realize this, we're just identifying points of faith. Because the more someone shows where faith is at, you begin to see it yourself. Think of it a little bit this way. Uh, you, ever, you ever think about the car that you wanted the most? And you went, man, that is the most unique, beautiful Dodge that I could ever imagine having. And I know the color and the interior. And you buy the car, and where before you bought the car, you never saw it. But after you bought the car, they're everywhere. You ever notice that? And it's true in a lot of areas, this car being one of the examples. The same is true in faith. When you begin to identify, when there's a personal experience, and you begin to identify it, you begin to see faith in other people's lives. But that's a learned behavior. It, we don't believe in Christian evolution. It doesn't just happen. You actually have to learn it. So then what you do is you then begin to look for it. Then you begin to kind of go throughout your week, and you begin to go, okay, oh, wait a minute. That's faith. That's easy believism. And I guarantee you, as easy as I said easy believism, all of you can identify that. Because there's a difference between belief and actual faith. Do you know how you spell faith? You spell faith R-I-S-K. I, I chuckle whenever I hear, when I ever hear Bill tell uh, one of his moments that are, uh, it hasn't been the centurion moment yet, but he tells it anyway, and there, people ask him, why did you move here? Well, I took a big risk. They don't know. They're just believing that God's called them here, and they're going to be obedient because there's risk involved. Don't assume that there's not going to be doubt at the same time because doubt gets in there because there's risk. The centurion, here's what we know about the centurion, I think is identifiable for all of us, is that, that faith always has a level of humility to it. Here's a guy who commanded people and comes to someone who is a Jew, who's literally under his thumb of rulership and calls him Lord. Oftentimes we don't realize that, that you know, when people are going through crisis, when people are, the people that you're trying to minister to that, are, that, are, that have went from one crisis to another, God's just humiliating them because they're unwilling to humble themselves. And he'll keep humiliating them until they, they, they are willing to, to humble themselves. This is important when you understand that the, 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 the understanding and knowing your limitations is a starting point. 
For a person that keeps going through perpetual problems, they don't understand their limitations yet. But a person who understands, wait a minute, I've, I can't, this is, this is totally, now they're going to humble themselves unto the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's what the, it's what the centurion did. He confessed him that way. He says, I, I, I understand what I'm good at. And I'm telling you this, when, when God does something through you, don't, when someone goes, wow, God did a powerful thing. Yeah, it was all God. No, it wasn't. He meets people through you, which means he needed you. And this, this false sense of humility that it's just all God. No, God uses people who open themselves up to him. And so we open ourselves up to him and he begins to do things. And so this, this centurion, Jesus didn't go, no, go resign your position, go back and, you know, say sorry to everyone that you told do 100 push-ups to. He didn't. We all have responsibilities in this world. Things we got to do just because we're not in heaven yet. And we, Jesus isn't ruling and reigning in Jerusalem. We haven't come back to the earth yet. So we fall under a system. But while we're under that system, we still submit ourselves to Jesus. And we say yes to him because he's really over it. And so this dynamic of people who understand authority is a critical ident identification of of faith. They understand what they're capable of, but they also understand what Jesus is ultimately capable of. Now, let me take this a little bit back to, to, to the prayer that Bill asked you to pray. As, as he's, he's speaking, in my mind, I'm going, Jesus, what percentage of the people think that the authority of the peace of the United States are found in Biden? And, and, and if you think it's found in a president, you're going to be critical and you're going to destroy faith. And you're going to cap somebody else's faith. But if you have faith that ultimately God, not Americans, rises people to power and causes them to fall, you're going to be at peace knowing that he is fully in control. So I can pray for the president, and I can pray for the vice president, I can pray for senators and congressmen and legislators, all the way from Washington to Austin. Because it doesn't matter their political party. The Bible says if I pray for them, I'm going to be able to live peaceable lives. And that really is what we're all, really all about. So, so we recognize that there are people that are not moved and swayed by the, the news of the day. And so we begin to look for that. But then we have to learn to let. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus doesn't try to recruit this guy. He just says, go and let it be done unto you as you desire. When, when, you begin to, when you begin to have the heart of Jesus, how many of you would say, let's do it from a positive, how many of you would say, and this, I'm going to raise my hand here, you have the mercy gift. You begin to pray for somebody and you look at their situation and you start to cry. That's, that's a real sign of the mercy gift. I'm going to get in trouble with this. Clarissa doesn't have the mercy gift. She doesn't, she, but she doesn't need to. I have the mercy gift. But here's the problem with the mercy gift is we don't let people go. Their life is their life. What releases faith in other people is letting them live out their faith. Don't try to live out their faith for them. Don't try to then come in and hold their hand. What allows people to really have a, a release of, of the supernatural is you saying, yeah, go, go and Start praying for people. Start laying your hands on. 
You know what that means? You have begun to learn your own limitations. You don't have to be all things to all people. Jesus is. Paul was. Some people have that gift of evangelism. That's a different, different dynamic. But in releasing faith in others, you have to let them go exercise their faith. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? All right, let's just walk through the go piece real quick and finish up. Let's start with C. When, when you go this week, don't try to see with your eyes now. Begin to see with your heart. We sang that song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Because, because the, Lord will, the Lord with the Holy Spirit will connect your desire to see faith with what he's doing in someone else's life. When your heart recognizes what's going on in someone else's heart and you help them see that, their faith is going to be incredibly strong. You're not going to have to sit and go, well, you better believe this, you better believe that, you better do this, you better do that. They will have had their own experience, so their faith will be dynamically stronger. What the, what the church lacks as a whole is this, is this the seeing in faith so that ultimately the ultimate currency in the supernatural is being left in back pockets because currency in, in, in heaven is faith. And so when you actually identify faith in someone else, you're basically telling them you have heavenly money. Do you realize that, that, you know, that that's like a $20 thing there? I don't know, that's kind of off the cuff, didn't work. But you're recognizing and identifying the faith in their life, and they're going, okay, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I never thought of that as faith. What you're doing is you're now igniting change in someone who will be able to ignite change in someone. And, and listen, I said it earlier, you got to be real clear with this. When you see, let them know that, listen, the, the faith is not the absence of doubt. It's the courage to risk. And so you step out. And so, and, and you, you, so while you see it, but you also have to say it. I guess I kind of blurred those together. You have to identify that, that real faith. And this is where, again, this is where being Pentecostal to me is so critical. As, that, as the Holy Spirit begins to show you, say it to them. It's a whole lot. You, when you identify the faith in someone else, you don't need a scripture and verse memorized. How cool is that? You don't. You say, boy, that's Jesus doing that. You can see that you really believe in Jesus is, is accomplishing this. And so what Jesus did is he saw it, and then he said it. And so that, that's our model. We see it, and then we say it. And, and one of the things that, you know, when I, I'm not an evangelist, but I do know that when Paul is writing Timothy, he says, do the work of evangelism. How many feel like evangelism work? Evangelism can be work. Because it's, it's counter my personality. It's just different from who I am. But I can do this. I can identify faith. And when you do that, you actually are evangelizing. Why? Because someone who knows Jesus is now coming to Jesus and doesn't have to wait. There can be release of the supernatural. And here's the beautiful part about it. You end up uh, really being able to send them. So you see, you say, and then you send. And you get to enjoy. Has anybody ever done any multi-level marketing? Yeah. Okay, Jesus had the best multi-level marketing ever. 
Because when you help people identify the faith that is in their life and they begin to replicate, every time that happens, you, your life for that one moment is bringing glory to Jesus. And so, I, I, to me, when we were developing the, the whole vision of igniting change in hundreds who'll ignite change in thousands, I look forward to people who will come up to me in heaven and say, I had this kind of life because you changed this person who changed this person who changed my life. As Jesus has this stream of activity in the lives that are around us. And so in our life groups this week, it's not just a matter of what is Jesus doing. Someone, I think it's a good, always a good place for life group leaders to begin to identify the faith that's around the table. Faith that's around the, the chairs, however your dynamic group sets up. Because as we do that, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go, and there are going to be more and more experiences where it's not going to be, yes, I'll get there. But Jesus is going to say, nope, it's now done according to what you've asked. That's the show and tell Jesus is looking for. And I know that, that it's easy to sit here and go, but that's not me. Don't wait. Start doing it today. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we want to have eyes that see the faith that is around us. I think kind of a good prayer here is, let's take a moment, maybe just put, take your hands and put them over your eyes or under your glasses um, and just ask the Lord to give you sight. Lord, let me, let me be able to identify the faith that is around me. Lord, I know that it's only by your spirit, Lord, that we really move in a dynamic like this. And Lord, we don't want to rise to a low bar. Lord, we want to rise to a people that, that ultimately, Lord, you look and you are marveled at our expression of faith. And so help us. Lord, give us the words to say that to help identify the faith that is, that is around us so that ultimately, Lord, we can see a manifestation of miracles in the marketplace today. So we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Let's stand together, sing one more song, and we'll close in prayer. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.